Mike Kissarm. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 158 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, admin on the FAQ Message Board, and I am joined by, from Sweden, Daniel. Welcome back, sir. From Canada, Marcus Almighty. Greetings. And the voice of reason, Ken, 69th Blizzard on the board. Good to see you all again. And to actually get to participate on an episode of this show, because I've been absent my schedule these days is very messed up so i do apologize for leaving you guys in the lurch so much all right so before we get into today's topic there are some news items that are going around uh first and foremost and i i'm just going to hop back on the faq message board there is a new poster magazine coming out in february of 2018 um the official kiss poster book and it's being published by phantasm so if you go over to the faq um message board i've got a link on there for their website and it looks like it's more recent photos obviously kind of updating something that was popular in the 1970s um for today so if that interests you certainly do check it out gene simmons vault people have been receiving their vault pre-packs and getting their golden tickets and laminates and mine i have no idea where it is but uh and listening to the full are you ready track which is actually very fun you've heard it before it ended up kind of on album but uh still neat uh very excited to hear more from that let's talk a little bit more about gene oh yeah and delivery of the vault one of the options recently mentioned is they are now willing to ship you your vault and have you show up at your vault experience and they'll have a dummy one there that you can kind of hold well you're not going to hold it right. up like that because you'll hurt your back like a prop yeah they'll, they'll have a prop there for you to okay. um receive for la doesn't work for me um it's going to arrive too far after the vault experience and i want to actually be listening to that on the drive back but it'll work out for a lot of people elsewhere so check out the GeneSimmonsVault.com website for all the new news and information about the options that have cropped up before we move on into today's topic a couple more things gene simmons obviously has been accused of a sexual assault or a assault of improprietous behavior of some description and it's been making headlines all over uh, it's resulted in his roast via the friars getting cancelled um some other journalists elsewhere in australia are coming out as saying that he behaved inappropriately towards them um i don't really want to go into any of that other than to say this morning, Nick Simmons was uh, kind of hit on by a paparazzi outside a location in L.A. or somewhere and asked some questions about his father. And for all the discussions and threads on the FAQ, on Facebook and elsewhere, which we, we've had to lock some down because they've just gone just in, in directions that are unacceptable, um, remembering that there is victims involved in a lot of these accusations, not specifically about genes because that's undetermined. But Nick said a lot of very intelligent things. So I recommend you go over to TMZ and check out what he had to say about his father. 
Uh, we've got a link to it on the FAQ message board and audio, and we've shared it up on Facebook. But I think Nick has said some very intelligent things. He hasn't denigrated any accusers or anything. He hasn't uh, blindly defended his father. Um, so I, I was impressed by him and his answer and his responses, you know, to the questions. And obviously the, the paparazzi was digging for dirt. He didn't get any. He got a very intelligent response, a well-measured, off-the-cuff response. So enough about Gene and all that negative stuff. Um, let's do some recent purchases, purchases, additions to your collection. Mark, what what have you recently brought in to your home, <laughs> musically or otherwise? Well, I think that this might take quite a few people by surprise, actually. And the reason why I purchased these things is purely on research reasons, because this artist I don't really like very much at all. His style of music doesn't really catch me at all. But I have to admit, after Julian, of all people, sent me this link to this guy's new website that he got up, I was absolutely fascinated by the quality of his reissues that he's done and how fantastic the recordings sound and how fantastic you can get recordings to sound if you take the time and really like keep your masters in pristine order and you know really put attention to detail. So instead of just talking about it, let me show you what I got. I got Neil Young, the oh, hitchhiker. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, just a complete album of him in his barn with his recording equipment, recording just songs like Pocahontas and a bunch of these other songs. And it, it, it is what it is. It's like a it's an album that was never released. And it's kind of like a now released kind of thing for a box set that you can get. Right. What sort of year was that recorded, Mark? Uh, that was 70. 75, I think. Let me see. I can tell you in one second here. It was done in... Seventy... Seventy-five. Hmm. Yeah. It's under... They were just... You know, he he was... They're supposed... They're usually just demos. Him working on songs, and they just put it out as like a... You know, just an acoustic and him kind of idea playing i also I heard, picked this what's a oh i was just gonna say on that the young one i heard they had the backup vocals on that was the uh hen house five you ever heard of the uh possible i don't know like, no. I, I don't, I don't I, know. I, i'm messing i'm messing with you because that's an old uh ray stevens or whatever thing in the mood back in the, when they had uh the, the hen house five plus two which was the they did that song i remember if you remember, but from the 70s, In the Mood, you know, the old song, In the Mood, the no. classic song, In the Mood, it's like a you know, swing or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> this song, it's all, you know, uh, hens clucking and and, and cows, you know, <laughs> this song. Anyway, no. it's a novelty song, so, but they're called the Hen House Five. Anyway. Okay, go on. I'll take <laughs> well, your, anyways, I'll, I'll totally take your word on that. Look it up, yeah. In the Mood, Hen, hen House Five plus two and... and you might have heard it before. Sorry, In the and Mood this, is actually a Rush song from the first album. Oh, oh well, no, In the Mood, they're, they're like, uh, I don't know if it's uh, Benny Goodman or one of those, you know. Um, Benny Goodman, that's right. That's a good one. Very interesting. 
Okay, so like I was saying, um, this is the record actually that got me to to buy it. This is uh, come a comes a time, and this was done so well that, and I shit you not, I put this on my stereo. I was working on a few things at my desk, and you know when people start strumming on acoustic guitars and they sometimes they just like bounce their hand against the body of the guitar and like the and they do like little things like that. It sounds it sounded so good. I literally thought that he was in my fa- my family room downstairs playing it. It sounded that good. It's a, literally the best sounding album that I think I've ever heard in that sense that it just literally sounded like they were down in my basement playing. It was like and that for me to say that that's got to be something because I I I'm really anal about those kinds of things and I and I really listened and I know a lot about recording technology and stuff. So for, for me to say that this is probably one of the best things I've ever heard, that's got to be something. And just to compare, I also went out and bought the CD, one of the CD reissue box sets that has four records on there from there. And because I wanted to see... Azuma, if, isn't it, in the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Zuma is, Zuma is good. And uh, I just wanted to see if the translation of the analog tapes went over as well onto the CD end of things as it did onto the vinyl. And it's, it sounds really, really good. It really does. But I mean, still the vinyl to me sounds superior, but I have to get it because I, you know, this is total research for me. And that's well, my to, new to all you uh, rush fans out there. He uh, secretly is a Neil closet. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> All right, Ken, let's move on to you. Uh, cause, uh, okay. okay. What, what have you added into your collection? Well, recently? one is one is going to be obvious. I'll just do two quick ones. One is obvious, is which is the uh, anomaly uh, reissue. And you opened yours. Open oh, it. Yeah. Okay, show I me. I played it because I don't want to open mine. Good, excellent. Okay. That's a win. I played it. I played it yesterday. Oh, a couple of cool things. Firstly, this thing. Is oh, very sweet. It's, a, it's a, like a translucent type swirl blue thing. I mean, it's really yeah. cool looking in person. Nice. Uh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So that's, in, that's in, good. Into the Void blue swirl vinyl. Very cool. <laughs> right. It has the, I don't know if the original one had the, uh, you know, this is like a. Oh, shit. Like a live. Like a live, right? Yeah. It's a live. <laughs> so with the. Uh, yeah, the album's in there, and then you have this. Uh, then there's a, a little commentary on, the, on another sheet. We got this here, uh, Ace on one side, but then you have uh, oh, yeah. right yeah, I, here. I've, is, I've seen that on another reissue, I think. Yeah, so. It may have been on there. Um, and what else? Is anything else on there? I don't think so. I think that's about it. It's, you know, it's too, too vital. Um, but, man, that's just... That's the that's the one of the nicest vinyls, at least printed. It seems it just came out really good. Um, and then I guess in sticking with that real quick is I used to have this back in the day, um, and I just got it. And it was sealed recently. Uh, well, it wasn't recently sealed. That'd be bad. Uh, it was sealed album. Unless uh, your name Elvis, is Gore. Elvis, Elvis <laughs> Moody Blue. And I know Daniel. Yeah. Daniel had it. I'm like, you know what? I used to have that. I got to get it back in my collection, and and this one was still sealed from you know oh. '77. Holy shit! Nice, very cool. 
so Can't, cannot go wrong it. with Elvis. Elvis the king. That's right, baby. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's All it. right. All right, so I obviously got some Ace Frehley stuff, too. Mine came with a slip thing, uh, a turntable thing. And I picked up the uh, the picture disc of Anomaly, yeah, which, is, oh, which is a okay. double. I don't know why, but uh, it looked cool. And thank you for opening yours. A um, couple of other things, and these just came in yesterday, actually. Um, and this is going to be of interest to people who are coming to the Atlanta Expo. I'm going into sales pitch here. Sorry, people. Um, the other version of on tour which has the unmasked 1984 picture of the band live in concert um that's gonna actually come out on january the first um mass market so everyone will be able to get that because there were so many people asking for the book but i'm limited to 50 copies of the makeup cover um by by contract so um i've made it available and it'll only be available in January. I'm going to just, just keep it very limited edition because it's an expensive book for the weight. Also came in are the re the new editions, and these are not going to be available either. They only have a few copies of them at Lana, and these are the new hardcovers of the individual volumes. And these are proper hardcovers with dust jackets, uh, you know, but the same information contained in. So those are just a couple of new things that I've added into the collection. Come see me at Atlanta. You know, if you're wearing a Kiss FAQ t-shirt, you'll get a discount. And that could be any of the Kiss Ooh. FAQ t-shirts, whether it's the podcast or the Odyssey or the few Gap book ones that I think we sold or even older ones. Or shit, if you come in with a white t-shirt and you scribbled in Sharpie Kiss FAQ rules <laughs> or sucks, <laughs> if, you, if you're going to wear that in public, sucks, I'll give you a discount. Yeah. All right, so we've kept Daniel waiting so long uh, with our with our – with our monologues. Let's well, you guys are so much more of a nerd than I am when it comes to records, at least. Uh, I, I really don't buy a lot of LPs anymore. It was quite some time since I did that. So I don't have a lot to show. But the one thing that caught my attention, uh, these, I guess, this month was that one of my old favorite bands finally managed to find a singer. So it, it's none it's not kiss related but but you know um one of my favorite band from the bands from the 90s actually managed to find a singer they put out you know i guess a f i don't know 10 or 20,000 tried to get the job and put in their applications but they didn't get it they found some other guy and the band i'm talking about is uh, stone temple pilots mm -hmm. they actually oh. brought in a new singer some really uh, excited for that one and they've put out there's one show out there with them uh, performing at the troubadour in la i think it was and it sounds really good i mean you can never measure up to uh, scott violent because he, he was simply one of the best ever in my mind one of the best frontmen i've ever seen uh but i guess it's it's much like Kiss. I'd rather have Stone Temple Pilots with another singer than no Stone Temple Pilots, you know? Mm -hmm. I'd rather have Kiss with Tom and Eric than no Kiss. So I'm really looking forward to where this thing is going. And they've released one song called Meadow. Yeah, kind of good. Yeah, nothing really special, but, but, but it sounds promising. So I'm really looking forward to when Stone Temple Pilots release uh, their new album, and I guess it's coming. It's coming early 2018. 
Very cool. That'll be interesting cool. to hear, especially yeah. when you get a band replacing an iconic, uh, you know, kind of, you know, right. leader. Didn't they? Ha- didn't Stone Temple have a different singer as well for a while? Yeah, but he died as well. You know. Chester, no. right? That's not looking good for the new singer. <laughs> that, that, that's like the Chester, Chester from. Uh, oh, when Lincoln Park was doing yeah. it for a oh, while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, you know, okay. Sounds like uh, the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots is tournament, turning into the drummer from Spinal Tap. So, uh, <laughs> it's right. There, there we go. All right, so Daniel, going straight back to you, you came up with the idea, or you saw the idea for what we're going to discuss today. Uh, why don't you just give everyone a quick overview of what we're going to be uh, putting together in this episode? Well... Hopefully we'll um, create two albums each uh, and we'll focus on the non-makeup era. Uh, we create one album, the greatest Kiss non-makeup album of all time. And the other album we'll create, one each separately, will be the worst album that you can make from from the non-makeup era of Kiss. So, uh, and I guess some songs might end up, up both on the greatest Kiss record and the worst, you know. Maybe uh, one of Julian's picks will end up on his one of his worst pick will will, will end up on on uh, for example Ken's greatest. So I think it will be pretty interesting. And just what to put, but, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see. Just to put things in context, I I, I looked up a thing in Firehouse. Pick, yeah, you remember this? Subscribe yeah. to that. And uh, this is an issue from 1997, April 1997. Mm-hmm. So this is when the Kiss reunion era was at its its height, you know. And every year they did a readers poll, poll, where mm-hmm. they asked, "Here are the results from over 600 completed surveys." So 600 Kiss fans have voted for their favorite songs. And just to start things off, I'll give you the 10 favorite non-makeup Kiss songs ever. And in number one, we have Unhold. Number two, Domino. Number three, Heavens on Fire. Four, Forever. Five, Take It Off. Six, I Just Want. It seems to be a lot of revenge era stuff here. Uh, Number seven, God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Number eight, Tears Are Falling. Number nine, Betrayed. That's like a... Wow. I didn't see that one coming. And number 10, Master and Slave. I guess Master and Slave wasn't even released in April 97. So I guess they've listened to the bootleg. Yeah, it's still still totally drooling over the bootleg then. Yeah. So that's the top 10 songs from 1997 from the Kiss non-makeup era. So that's the whole idea. And uh, Firehouse, was that was Ron Roxburgh, wasn't it? Yep. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into how how you want to do this. You you limited it to us to ten songs for each of this each of these albums. Let's. Why don't we start with um, the best of the Unmasked era? And this is ten yeah. songs to create one studio album. Let's go. Uh, I split mine into side A and side B. How did you do yours? Now me, I know I did just the ten. I just listed ten. These are on my album. So. Okay, so that that won't matter. I do have an order though. Uh, you know, yeah. first, second, third, fourth. You know. Yeah. So. All right. Well, do you want to do, do you want to do your straight through your whole? No, album? no. I think no. we do. Okay. We'll, we'll do them. Um, yeah. 
one at, one at a time, and we'll go around the screen. So Daniel's topic. First song. First song. What's yours, Daniel? All right. Yeah, as you all know, uh, Kiss albums. The first song is really important, and actually, they managed to release quite a few good tracks, uh, starting off albums in the '80s and the early '90s. So I picked one of them, and uh, this is from one of my absolute favorite non-makeup era Kiss albums. And I'll start off with "King of the Mountain." Uh, I think the intro works well with the drums and all, and the song is just a kick-ass song. It sets the tone of my album, and uh, I really one of my absolute favorite songs that never got enough attention. I think uh, during um, you know live performances and so on. Actually, I would like to see the Kulik brothers pull out this one when when they go on tour, but you'll never know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, since I'm the next one on the screen, I concur. And that was my first. That side one, you know, track one for me, one of the very best opening tracks on any Kiss album from any Kiss era for me. It just the, the bombastic lead into this day. It has nothing to do with me being a complete Asylum fanboy. Okay, yeah, it does. But uh, what what better way to start an album? And you know what? I I would love to hear, actually, Eric Singer do the drums on that. We've heard Eric Carr. Um Eric Singer would, I think, give that song the due respect to kind of honor Eric Carr and it, the Kulik brothers. Hell yeah. Um, pretty much. I, I wouldn't care what they perform from their respective catalogs of involvement in Kiss and other bands together. Um, you know, it just it'd be very cool. So, Ken, what's your number one pick? <clears throat> well, I'm going to break the trend here. <laughs> My number one is going to be uh, Exciter. Uh, off a of lick it up i think that to me that's that's one of their greatest opening tracks uh at least even since the you know the 70s heyday stuff um so exciter you know it always gets me excited you know it's like it, no it's a great song just a fantastic song and uh, i never get sick of it i just love it you know when it comes on so that's my first one yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much crossover we have on our favorite picks and also which ones uh, certain ones of us love, as Danny say, that end up on uh, the worst albums of other participants in this show. Mark, what's your number one or your first pick for the greatest Unmasked Kisses? Well, it's going to be three out of four. King of the Mountain it is for me as well because it is by far the greatest opening song that Kiss has done. Bar none, no. I think it is the greatest <laughs> opening song that they've done. There is there is no song that has that much impact at the beginning like that. That drum beginning, you know, that makes you stop, put everything down, sit up at attention, and you know something's going to be happening. Don't get me wrong, I love Exciter. I think it's a fantastic song as well. I mean, you you would any band would be happy with either one of those songs on their record, you know, if they had it because it's that good, you know. But to me, much like Julian, I'm a big Asylum person. I love his song; it's my favorite non-makeup Kiss album. So of course, King of the Mountain is going to be number one. And just like Ken said, he knew right away probably that I was going to pick that one oh, right yeah. off the bat. Much <laughs> like I'm sure Julian probably knew right away I was going to pick that as well. So. King of the Mountain is numero uno. And I kind of just so, because I, I wasn't here just for a second, I had to step out my dog side to be a dog, a little, a little yeah. naughty. So, be a dog. Um, yeah. yeah, so I picked the 10 
just like you guys did, but I broke it up into five and five, side A, side B. I don't know if that matters or not, but that's how no, I did it. Okay, no, so. I, I did the same. So, um, okay. you know, so tonight on Anderson Cooper, you'll be able to see the headline that three out of four KISS fans prefer Asylum. So that's right. Right. there you go. Daniel, let, let's go back to you. <laughs> for, you, know, you know what that is, Julian? That's fake news, mister. Oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. I, I thought that's what we all deal in these days. Dan, <laughs> Daniel, let's go to you for your second pick. Yeah, I think um, back in the 80s, KISS uh, managed to deliver great opening tracks for Lick It Up, Exciter, uh, Animalize, and uh, King of the... Um, and Asylum. So... Unfortunately, they failed when they released the Crazy Nights record. By the way, I don't have any song from Crazy Nights on my greatest non-makeup era Kiss album. There's no one here. But in second, as the second song, I've actually picked uh, the first song of Animalize, which I loved the first time I heard. I remember playing the tape. The first two songs from the tape over and over again when I got it. It was, I remember the the, the cassette was in, it was in silver and I remember distinctively distinctively playing the first two tracks. The third track sucked big time, so I just played the two first over and over again. And so in, as a second song on my album, I would have I've had enough, which actually is one of my favorite. Uh, tracks from the non-makeup era kiss and mark st john he 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 gets a lot of crap but uh when i was a kid and i heard that intro on i've had enough i was just blown away mm-hmm. i don't know what mark has to say about this big because he's the guitar guy but but uh but uh as a kid i really enjoyed the the beginning of that one it's just like fired off with his quick solo there in the beginning and just a great song and uh Another one that haven't been played a lot, hasn't been played a lot live. I guess it got at one or two or three places. I think in England, maybe well, on the European tour, yeah. But uh, then they stopped playing it, unfortunately. Just a great track, and what a way to start it! What a one-two punch, King of the Mountain, and I've had enough. Oh my God, what an album! No, oh, great, great pick. I'd loved listening to the work tapes from the Animalize sessions of him noodling around trying to do that guitar stuff on that song and other ones. Uh, fantastic pick. Mine is one that's already been mentioned. Number two, Exciter. I'm going for that big bombastic opening track as well. And there is, you know, few things. I, I've obviously said that King of the Mountain is my favorite opening track, possibly on many a Kiss album. Exciter's right up there as well. When when I first heard that song, I just rewound the tape and listened to it again, a little bit like Daniel and the first two songs on Animalize. That was the one that just blew me away with it. It's, it's a very understated power. It's a powerful song, great musically, uh, well-balanced. It's everything that was so good about Vinnie Vincent in Kiss when he had someone kind of tempering his over-the-top uh, tendencies. And, you know, it, it's a well-written song. And, of course, Vinny doesn't play the solo on that, does he? So uh, he, he, he's on the rest of it, that's for sure. And, you know, listening to the the rehearsals from the Lick It Up sessions, I don't see what the big fuss is, why he, his solo wasn't fine. It always sounded good to me. All right, so number two pick. I'm not going to monologue too long on it. Ken, number two. Well, uh, and you'll probably notice as I go through these things is uh, 
I, you know, I pretty much break it down back and forth, or I try to keep it Gene, Paul, Gene, you know, I, I split them up pretty evenly on the album. Uh, so number two here is Unholy. So I got Unholy Falling Exciter. I think that was, it would work somehow. Um, I know I'm used to, like, uh, uh, not for the innocent, I think, <laughs> as the following that, but uh, uh, I think that's a great another great uh, album opener of course and that was you know one of gene's best ones you know off of revenge so uh that's my number two song on the album great pick mark okay well i think daniel might be a little shocked to hear this mm-hmm. but my number two song is actually crazy nights um, I actually did, oh. when I when I put when I made my list here together I actually put it into a uh, playlist on iTunes and listen and listened to it played and surprisingly Me too. I, I think that Crazy Nights would be a good second song right after King of the Mountain if under the right circumstances now you got to keep in mind when I'm looking at this list and making my list I'm already thinking about who would have produced it. You know, it, to me, it doesn't sound like the, it sounds now. Yeah. I, I, I know the song is written the way it is and so on, but just like how a song in the studio sounds different than when a band sometimes plays it live, it sometimes has more grit, more balls to it, you know, and it maybe even comes out better live than it could in the studio. So I always imagine Crazy Nights being heavier than it actually is. You know, Nevison really polished it up in the studio, so I envision a slightly more guitar heavier version of this on my version of this so i put crazy night second i think it has the potential to be a good number two song and under the right circumstances i think it would be a great number two song okay um daniel i don't get that with the crazy nights but that's okay (laughs) i think it's just such a boring i mean mark you're such a guitar guy the riff is so lame and the solo is so 80s and everything. Well, I'll move on. Uh, <laughs> interesting. We only have openers. Or Crazy Nights didn't open the Crazy Nights album, did it? Or did it do that? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So we've only picked songs in the numbers one spot from albums. And I'll continue that trend. Because in third place, I have the opening song from, I guess, uh, one of my uh, at least... Uh, Wait, who? There's one guy on the F- Kiss F- FAQ that likes this, this song, this album so much. Uh, and the first one, the first song from that album is Unholy. But it's which Lonnie. which one? Lonnie. Yeah, it's Lonnie. He's the revenge guy. Yeah. The revenge so, guy. Yeah, he's the revenge guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the only album from the non-makeup era that I feel that. Gene Simmons uh, really was the main guy. And this one, as we all did watching MTV, I remember staying up late and seeing the video. So not only the song is great, but I really enjoyed the video. And you have to remember back in 92, grunge had just started and uh, uh, the hair was out and you, 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 were going, you were supposed to look mean and a little bit de- depressed, uh, or if, at least dangerous. And Gene managed to find a look that was absolutely right for the time. And uh, you could be proud of Kiss once again, 
after the fiasco of crazy nights and hot in the shade and you know the soft look that they had so i remember watching the video and feeling like yeah this is my band once again i've been waiting to see this gene this this demon gene again and unholy is such a great song um so i would have that in third place and uh, when you think about it um Looking at your own greatest non-makeup era Kiss album, I mean, this will be the greatest Kiss record of all time. At least I feel when I look at mine. Such a great record. And, and in third uh, position, Unholy. Hmm. Excellent. Well, I also have Gene finally coming up to bat on a uh, song on the best of the Unmasked era. And this one's a little bit biased by uh, that cover that I always go gaga for double virgo and his uh recording of secretly mm. girl where he kissified it more and brought it back to what the song really could have been but it's no slouch on asylum either it's it's i think it's a decent song and it's made the number three spot on my album so with a, a bit of work on the production and maybe with a little bit more of uh, saying hey gene remember how you used to be gene um it, you know like double virgo did with uh, that cover you know, throw it, throw it on. It's a good, it's again, good song uh, to my taste. Ken. Well, my number three song is going to, you know, it's not a lead off song this time, um, but it's a song I think is a great song. It should have been a single. Um, it's uh, from Lick It Up is it's a, a million to one by Paul Stanley. And uh, that song is just a great song and i don't know why it wasn't released as a single i mean of course look it up as kind of an obvious song um but this song is just so well crafted and he sings great on it it's oh just my. a perfect song um so that's going on early in the album because i'm thinking it's going to be a single that's how i look at it Excellent. Good pick. You know, that was one I was very tempted to have on my list, but I didn't want it to be bogged down by Paul's 1980 kind of power ballads um, as much as I love them mm. all. So I, I left that off mine deliberately. So I'm glad that someone's mentioned it. Mark, let's get to your next pick. Well, much like Ken, my number three pick is also a million to one. And for the reason that when you kind of construct these kind of records number three spot was usually the kind of bring it down to touch yeah, and you yeah. know put your ballad kind of song in there and then you bring it back up again toward the end of the side so i mean there's nothing really more i could add as far as the song goes to what ken's already said i mean it's a fantastic song it was written well probably has paul's uh best singing on that record i think he, he did a great job on that and again, the great head scratcher, why it wasn't released as a single, who knows? You know, there were so many things that were weird and wacky during those times. But, you know, it, it's a great song. And, uh, you know, it, it's one that, you know, I think his fans even, you know, later on would have probably would have loved to hear them do live. I don't think that will ever happen nowadays, but it's a fantastic song. And I think it deserves to be in that position, number three. Nice. I actually watched the live album, the live uh, version from Paul Stanley's solo tour in two, 2007, and it's just fantastic. Still, to that day, he could perform it really, really well. So go online and watch that one. I mean, when he holds out those to tones, it sounds so amazing. Just a great song. I agree. 
remains one of the high points for me on One Live Kiss, and uh, that's obviously available as a live album download on iTunes these days if you don't want to just have the video. Daniel, we're straight back to you for your fourth pick. Yeah, try and have a sip of beer or soda or whatever you're drinking. Uh, no, pick soda. number four. Uh, always drinking soda, yeah. Uh, number four here, yeah. Uh, kind of a boring pick now. Exciter, you've already mentioned it, but it's such a great song. And I think, um, I mean, um, Exciter with uh, Paul on vocals back then is just great. And that's a problem with Manu's songs from the 80s. I mean, he just sings his ass off on everyone, and there's just no way he can do them today, unfortunately. So I'm really, really hoping for the Bruce, uh, the Kulik brothers to do something from the non-makeup era, because that's really the only chance we have of hearing these songs the way they are supposed to sound. So, so I'm hoping they, they're picking a few from, from from the albums we're mentioning today, because uh, so fantastic songs and really overlooked for such a long time, and I really miss a lot of them. And I guess Exciter will never be performed live again by any you know, band of any you know, uh, and a big band at least. So it's unfortunately, I, I think we've heard it for the last time live. 2.0. No. Isn't that idea really dead by now? <laughs> Please no. Please no. All right. My fourth pick. I want a single. A single that should have been bigger than it was. And um, I've actually managed to get something off Crazy Nights onto my list. Turn on the night. Again, the Kulik brothers on the cruise just blew it out of the park of what this could be. Uh, it just reminds me what a great pop rock song that Paul and Diane Warren crafted together for that album. And with a bit more balls on the production, just it, it's a great song. So, Ken, you're muted. That's it. That's a good pick. It might, it might show up on my list somewhere, I think. Um, okay, so my number four is, and it's, what's funny is th three of my first four songs are off of Lick It Up. Um, it's just happened that way. Um, but that there's no more Lick It Up uh, songs after that. Um, but my fourth song is Not For The Innocent. Um, it's just one of my favorite songs off of Lick It Up. Always has been since I first heard it. It's just the way it builds at the beginning and and comes with what it is. Um, sure, it would be nice maybe if we had the uh, trade-off vocal version uh, on the unmet, you know, on this special album, which could be Gene and Paul both singing it, which would have been even better. So, uh, but that's that's my number four song. Great song, and I, I like what you said about the trade-off vocals. Very cool. Mark, your next pick, please, sir. <clears throat> okay, well, now. We're going to get into uh, an album that nobody's really talked about yet. My number four pick. Now, keep in mind, before I announce what it is, my record is going to be produced by Jack Richardson. Okay. the Sorry, not Jack. Garth Richardson, his son, sorry, is going to be the one who, you know, go, go, Garth there. Um, and he's, you know, he's a great producer, and I think that he could bring some oomph back to some of these Kiss songs. And I think a good song right after Million to One, in the right hands, of course, would be Hide Your Heart. I think that would be a good song to put back 
in there. It kind of brings the tempo and the mood back up after the kind of ballady million to one. And uh, I've always liked this song. I mean, I know everybody has their comments about how they say, you know, well, Ace's version is better or this one. And nobody ever says Lizzie Borden's is the best. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think, though, that um, Kiss did a great version of this. I like it personally better only for one reason. I like Paul's vocals better than Ace's. So shoot me. Um, yeah. And that's the reason why I think it is the superior version of the song. But uh, I think as far as construct as well of an album side, it's kind of the perfect song to put on before the last song on the side. So I'd go with Hide Your Heart. Great pick. Daniel, your next one. Yeah, this is actually the song that, you know, destroyed my life and made me a metalhead for life. I never came back from listening to this one. I, I couldn't recover from this one because this just made my whole interest in Kiss, you know, shoot you know go full speed uh i still remember back in i think it was 85 when i listened to this on an old black cassette tape in a tent it was heavens <laughs> on fire and the first time i heard it, i'm like what the heck is this this is the greatest thing i've ever heard i haven't really heard a lot of stuff back then but but it's just something about the song caught me and um <clears throat> I've never really recovered from it. So Heaven's on Fire has to be on this album. So in the number five spot, Heaven's on Fire. Yep. Kiss has left some scars on all of their fans over the years. And my closing out side A of my album is Unholy. And I felt I had to have something from Revenge represented on here because the quality of the album, you know, just kind of stands that if I omitted it, it would just be rather churlish. Um, and it was a debate for me whether it was going to be Unholy or Heart of Chrome, which are, you know, the, the mm. two picks. But I think I got to throw Gene a bone because when we're talking about the best of the Unmasked era, it's really too easy to kind of bag on Gene and say that the worst songs are going to be most of, you know, his from that period. He did have some very good songs. And once we hit the 90s. He improved tremendously, and I, I think he's just got the edge on this lead-off track from that album as a great way to close the first side on mine. Ken? Good pick. That was a good one, <laughs> of course. Uh, my finishing song on side one, I guess, would be, uh, it's going to be from Asylum. It's going to be Who Wants to Be Lonely. That song is it's just a great song, and, of course, it was a single. Um, um and I don't, though, I don't, I try to stay away from the singles. Well, maybe I didn't so much, actually, on this list. But uh, that one uh, is probably one of my favorite songs on Asylum. If I'm going to listen to it, I'm going to you know, go to that one, one of those first. That one is is a key one for me. Um, but I think it, it ends off uh, my side one pretty good, a pretty good ending to side one. Yeah, yeah. That's a powerful end to side on an album, that song. Mark, your next one. So up to this point, my album's being exclusively Paul singing, as most people would probably have suspected at this point. Um, but Gene has to make an appearance. And to close off side A, Mr. Simmons will make an appearance. And I like ending off album sides with something not too long, and heavy and to the point. So to me, 
you might not agree with this, but I think a good example of that is Hate from Carnival of Souls. Mm. I think that's one of Gene's best songs that he did in that time period. Um, there isn't very much from that record that I really enjoy, but that song is really, really good. I've always liked it. The very first time I heard it, I was like very surprised how good it was. And uh, it's heavy. It could have been something that could have even been unrevenged if it was, you know, produced properly. And uh, but I love, I love hate, and I think it's a good way to end side eight. So hate is my last pick, number five, end of side eight. Love hate. Yeah. <laughs> Positive message. Daniel. Uh, yeah. Uh, good to see that Carnival Souls got some love because I don't have any song from that album, at least. But uh, that's one of the better ones from that album. Um, well, my next song, I guess I'm the only one. I think I'm the only one with this song. Uh, I can't see any of you guys picking this one. But. I have the same problem. I need uh, more Gene songs, and I have a trouble finding good ones. But there's one I like a lot that they played through the 80s, and um, to me, it's to this day one of my favorite Gene songs. At least when he goes all out and he does the scream and everything, and it fits like a glove. As he can already knew it, but it's like a, yeah, fits like a glove needs to be on this album. I mean, um, the energy in that song is just fantastic. And one thing that's interesting, you talked a lot about demos, uh, Julian, and when you listen to the demo of Fits Like a Love, you really understand how much Vinnie Vincent had to do with that song. Because when Gene plays it, it's just straight chords, nothing special about it, and then add Vinnie Vincent and a few other guys, I guess, uh, and the song becomes an instant kiss classic, and I'll have Fits Like a Love on my album. Yeah. Well, pretty much if you add Vinnie Vincent to anything, I think it's going to improve um, to a certain extent. So, <clears throat> side two of my LP, I'm leading off with Under the Gun. Again, high octane and everything that's already been said about those first two songs, you know, kind of unanimalized. I can't remember if this was the second song or not. No, it wasn't. Um, but it, it was like, do I want Heavens on Fire? And I was like, no, I want Eric Carr. And because he co-wrote it, that gave me this pick over Heavens on Fire. And, and strictly for that reason, it's uh, one of probably only three songs off that album that I still actually listen to regularly. So always makes me smile. Ken? All right. Well, leading off my uh, second side is going to be a Gene song because I've been alternating between <laughs> Paul and Gene on this album. Um it's gonna. I'm leading off with Trial by Fire. I don't know why, if why oh. I'm leading off with Trial by Fire, but I, I love this song. I just I just think it's a, a good song. It's it's one of those you know do what you want kind of thing uh, song, and you know who cares what other people say kind of thing. Um, but it's a good catchy song. I just like it as a as a song in general, um, and I think it's one of the, his better songs in the '80s. Uh, that uh, Gene wrote. So, trial by fire. Good pick. Asylum again. Eat a hater. Yeah. Mark. <laughs> yes. So, you know, a lot of the times when you pick these songs, we have these connections to these songs. I find like whether it's a good memory or a bad memory. 
And uh, this song has always had a fantastic memory. I remember I've said this many times a story about this song, so I'm not going to bother because you're already going to know what I'm talking about. But starting off side B, you have to have a great song, a strong song. And off of Crazy Nights, I put in Turn On The Night, which is my favorite song off that album. I really love it. You know, it reminds me of California all the time when I hear it. And uh, what better way to start off side B on the greatest non-makeup album than Turn On The Night. Good song. Can't sing its praises enough. So, Daniel, let's move on to your next pick. Yeah, just crazy. We we all, it feels like we're picking the same songs almost all the time. But uh, um, you can't stray away from this one. It's one. It was a classic, um, and they still perform it to some extent at least. And um, I remember watching the video of this one: Paul running around, uh, jumping, volcanoes, and all sort of stuff. And it's tears of falling. You know, mm. it's just a great song. You can't straight away from that this is a great song and uh when you're talking about guitars i think this might be my favorite guitar solo from bruce i don't really know why why it's not complicated or but it's just a feel i love the solo it suits the song great and i think it's amazing that bruce pulled this off when it was really his first kiss album he did some stuff on animalized but this was really his first kiss album and bringing this kind of solo just amazing then i think he lost it for a few years and then he came back um during the his uh you know revenge era and 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 onwards so tears are falling has to be on the album good pick all right well my my side b starts off with what i envisage to be a powerful one-two punch just like i had on the first side obviously under the gun is going to segue directly into no 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 and that might be a little bit of a shocker but again when we've talked about this song recently uh we're doing the crazy nights revisit for the 30th anniversary and watching it live so many times i just imagine that they could capture some of that fun some of that energy some of that power live it would be a great way just to transition from under the gun and keep that energy going into a completely different song again eric Carr has a co-write on that and it's a gene song so i was just trying to look for something positive to to include Gene and, you know, obviously honor Eric's memory when I was constructing my album. So that, that for me is just one I would like on there. It's probably a little bit of an oddity for most people's taste for uh, when you're talking about a best of the unmasked songs, but uh, there you go. Ken, move on to you. Good pick. Um, next song, number seven is, I think two of you guys have picked already. Um, and it's uh, Turn On The Night is my number seven song. Um, again, that's I think it's the only one I picked off of Crazy Nights. Um, a song that, to me, probably maybe should have been released as the first single, in my opinion, off of Crazy Nights. Um, and may have, it may have... It may have helped that album even more, actually, if it had that hit. Did, didn't hit. Crazy Nights... Do great numbers in the UK, uh, Julian. I think it, it did. It did. But in America, it was just. In, in, in America, I think the single stiffed in the 60s. I can't remember off the top of my head. I know it went high in England, Reason to Live, then followed up reasonably well in England, and Turn on the Night actually charted top 40 as well, or near top 40. Uh, 
You know, so imagine if they'd let off with Turn on the Night as the single when Diane Warren was just coming off a number one hit. I mean, it, it, it kind of begs belief that they wouldn't have tried to hit that name recognition with a new and emerging songwriter, co-writer. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times I think, you know what, I feel that the UK has a better better taste in music. <laughs> Um, um yes. when I, when I, when I see the charts, um, not these days, have you seen the charts these days? Well, yeah, well, you've seen the U S charts these days. No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't, I don't, uh, that's I don't no good either. You know, from, that's from, even the, worse. It's from worse. the 1990s I mean, and the Spice our, Girls and all that shit. Where you got to take that. Way too old. That's just the, the, the thing. <laughs> our taste, our yep. taste now here, I think is more like, uh, I don't know. It's 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 just it's it's more about uh, looks. It's less about substance or quality. It's just it's just I don't know. It's just the market today. But anyway, I don't want to get into that subject. But again, uh, uh, this song again, Turn on the Night. I would have loved to have been the first lead single. I think it could have done better than Crazy Nights as a single, as the uh, opening single. That is, but. That's number seven. In in the U.S., it would have taken much to do better than Crazy Nights as a single, sadly. Mark? So, again, much like how you guys <clears throat> are constructing your album, another one-two kind of punch idea. Um, after Turn On The Night, I have to go back, back to my favorite unmasked album, Asylum, and Who Wants To Be Lonely would follow up Turn On The Night. I think those would be a good one-two right there. No Kiss fan in his right mind would have anything bad to say about those one, two. Absolutely. Daniel. Uh, who Wants to Be Alone is one of my reserves. It, it won't be on my album. I have a few. Under the Gun was always sort of close. And, um, you know, a few of the songs you mentioned. So it's really hard to pick just 10 songs because uh, there's really a lot of great tunes but but for me i'll mention one now that i think a few of you have already chosen and it's uh, a million to one you have to include that one i want to have some sort of ballady you know uh <laughs> song on the album one of one sort of ballad and this is one of the ballads that translates really well when performing it live I mentioned it earlier. Just watch Paul Stanley, One Live Kiss, and it's just amazing when he belts out the vocals. You know, such a great song live. Uh, For me, it's better than Forever when you listen to it live. Even though I I, I kind of like Forever, but it's it's got a lot of Michael Bolton written on it, I think. (laughs) A Million to One is more like a Kiss song to me, you know? And this is just a great song, and I'd love to have it on my album. And uh, hopefully we'll hear it in live sometime soon with some band, because it's a great tune. I hope some, because this is actually one of the songs we, we won't hear from Kiss anymore. So just hoping that some band will do it uh, justice live in the future. Nice sentiment. All right, I'm on to the middle of my B-side. And just like on the A-side, you know, where I started off energetic, middle spot needs to be quirky and do something different. So 
all hell's breaking loose mm. because it's one of the most different kind of sounding songs in the catalog. Um, and again, because of Eric Carr's contributions to it, I think uh, all the members of the band had a writing credit on this one. I think it's a great change of pace in the middle of side, you know, side B with something stylistically different, uh, just to kind of put an emphasis on some of the dynamics of the band's material in the 80s. So for, for no reason, certainly not because of the video, that gets my next pick. Ken? Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I, I consider that song, but almost half my album would have been Lick It Up. <laughs> Nothing I, wrong I, with I, that. Maybe I, maybe I better not do that. But. So anyway, yeah, that's a good pick, though. It's one of my favorites. Um, so we're on eight, right? So I went from uh, Turn On A Night, my last pick, and to another In The Night song. I went to Thrills In The Night uh, from... From uh, Animalize, which I've I've always liked that one too. I mean, it's just a catchy tune. Um, it's not super heavy. I wouldn't call it. It's not a ballad, not really. Um, but it's just a you know medium paced, uh, very well written kind of pop song. I guess you could call it um, in a way. So, but that's that's the song for number eight. Good pick, Mark. So back in uh, when I was doing my internship at the recording studio, producer I used to work with, he used to tell me all these little tricks that were good for sequencing records. And he would used to say that the third, the middle position would always have the bring down spot, like in the curve of the flow of your record. Mm. And he said a good trick to do on side B sometimes is instead of putting it in the third position is confuse the audience a bit and put it in the fourth position and leave the third still an upbeat song. Mm. So I did that for my side B. For side B track number eight, I think Daniel will be very pleased that I put Fits Like a Glove in that position for for a song there. I think that, because I really think that's one of Gene's monumentally good song that he did back in that time period. And I mean, it was good enough that they played it a long time in the in that whole era. It was always in their live shows. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so why why not uh, you know why not give it its just due? And Gene is you know sort of not well represented in my album up to this point, so he deserves to be put in here. And he's number eight on my track listing. Nice here for nicely, Hornet. Yeah, yes. nice nicely picked. Daniel, we're, we're back you. to you then for your, uh, what is that, number I nine? Pick, in my number nine spot, I have a, I think, uh, at least Mark picked this one. I don't remember if anyone of the other guys did pick the, this one. It's my only pick from Heart in the Shade, and it's Hide Your Heart. And um, to me, it's just a great song. And I agree with Mark when he says Paul Stanley sings it's way better than any of the other versions. And I would have actually put songs like Sword and Stone on my album, but they never recorded that one, unfortunately. At this era, you know, 87, 89, uh, Paul Stanley, he had some amazing vocals going, but he really didn't manage to, you know, use them uh, as I would have wanted him to do it, because leaving Sword and Stone off crazy nice it's just like i i can't get it ron emerson has to be like i don't know why you know bang bang you is better than 
Sword and Stone. I mean, any kid, you, you could put a five-year-old listening to those songs, pick the best one. Yeah, Sword and Stone is ten times better. So that's one of uh, my sorrows, that that song never was put on a Kiss album. So I would have used that one. But but uh, on Heart in the Shade, Hide Your Heart is by far my favorite. And I think it's just a great song. And it translated great live if you watch... You know, you could watch one of the two shows from Detroit and you see how well it translates live. And uh, it's a great song, so you have to put it on the album. Nice pick. Um, I, I think if Kiss does a, or Kiss and Universal get together and do a pledge of music of the uh, Crazy Nights Deluxe Edition box, then Sword and Stone's gotta, gotta, gotta be on there with all those demos, uh, you know, from both of both Gina and Paul and Bruce and Eric. I mean, holy shit, there could be a really good box set and the videos, the, the full pro shots and audio, you know, live shows, you know, and a nice picture book. And a, oh, we've had this episode before. I'm sorry. So my number nine pick, um, Tears Are Falling, the song that made me a Kiss yeah. fan. The video, actually, mm-hmm. that made me a Kiss fan. Yeah. Um, there's no way in hell I was not going to have it. And because I had yeah. to have this one song on my album, it's why I left off stuff like Who Wants to Be Lonely, A Million to One, and Hide Your Heart. None of those made my album because I only wanted one of those sorts of songs represented mm-hmm. on my album, just like an 80s album generally only had <laughs> one of them anyway. So I kept to that that kind of format. Ken? Well, we're on nine, I guess. Nine. So nine for me um, is not your typical Gene song, um, uh, but I think it's a great song. And, uh, you know, it may you call it, you know, he's trying to be ZZ Top or something, but it's Domino. Um, I just I just like the song. Um, It's not again, it's, it's not something I would thought. He would have ever, you know, written, which we may see uh, other songs similar to that, like when the the vault is out, uh, when we start hearing the vault, other songs that he's he wrote a lot of different styles of music. He he's not just kiss, always kiss, you know, the the same uh, template for kiss um, that he normally does. Um, he has other songs out there, and he he writes them well. And I think this is one of them that where he, where he went out of his wheelhouse a little bit and, and came up with this stuff. Um, it's a great song, and that's number nine for me, Domino. Domino, Gene Simmons, Give My Stuff to Other Bands, Regret <clears throat> Song, because obviously uh, Nasty Nasty, right? Right, Black nasty, and blue. Nasty. He he recycled his song. He knew he'd given away something good. You know, I wish he'd kind of done that. Now we've heard stuff like Suspicious, which uh, you hear Gene's version on the the vault, c- compared with Black and uh, Black and Blues, and just know that he had good stuff. Domino, great example of very good Gene Simmons. Mark, your number nine pick, please. Yeah. So um, now as we're approaching the tail end of the record, we're gonna hit it off with some harder hidden songs but like i said before the little swap there the flow going on so the kind of laid back song is going to be a gene song again in Ooh. fact the next the last two are gene songs so the last three on my side be oh. our old gene so number nine for me is not for the innocent it is a great song i like that song 
Um, I've always thought it was very strong. I've even liked the version when they did the swapping of the vocals with Paul and Gene. But I still think that um, Gene kind of has the essence of it a bit better, I think. I like what he has when he does it himself. And uh, it's very Gene stylistic. So number nine, Not for the Innocent. Nice. Good pick again. Yep. All right, Daniel. You're going to take us into your last song on the yeah, list. Yeah, my final pick. My final pick will be a Gene song as well. And, um, uh, you know, all Animalize could have been such a great album, but it ends off with terrible, terrible Gene songs. I want to end this album with a great Gene song that captures the essence of mean demon Gene. And the song to do that is actually a song of, of, of uh, revenge, and it's Thou Shalt Not. Just listen mm-hmm. to the ly- lyrics in that one. I seldom listen to lyrics. I, I, you know, I, I get a feel for the song, and I like it, and I don't really care about the lyrics a lot. But this is one of the, of the few times I feel that uh, he nailed it lyrically. This is just a great song lyrically, and just a cool song overall so thou shalt not is uh, the song that ends my record and i think it's uh, mm-hmm. one of the best better songs of revenge and unfortunately never played live yeah true it's a good song all right my last song uh totally doesn't work it's only now that we've gone through all this i'm like why the hell did i pick that but i'm stuck with it i'm not going to change it i thought maybe i should try and change it up to something from carnival of souls but uh i've had enough into the fire again the power of the opening tracks in the 80s it's in the wrong position on the album uh, as mark's uh, producer will tell me i've completely screwed this up by placing it as the final song but you you might as well finish how you started with high octane kiss um full flight in the 80s when they were great they were great and when they weren't well they weren't so i'll end with that ken yeah that's interesting indie <laughs> doesn't work it's all right it's a good song good song uh but on daniel on the uh thou shalt not that was on my short list i almost almost made it on on mine it's very, very close because I, I love that song um so my mine finishes off with a you need kind of a, a good finish and uh, an anthem type song. Um, so I went with uh, God gave rock and roll to you as my finishing song on on the album. I think it's just a, a it makes sense to me. Uh, it's, it fits as a song that they. It's like the it's like finish. the op, it's like the opposite of Thou shalt not lyrically, you know. Yeah. Thou shalt not talk I mean, about man yeah, yeah. listening right. yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I it is, about. it is. So yeah, you're the you're the black, I'm the white, or something like that. I don't know. Ying and yin and yang <laughs> or whatever. Um, but yeah, I agree with that. Um, so God gave him rock and roll to you. Yeah, even though it's you know it's a cover song, but it's a great cover. It's better than the original Argent. Uh, version if you ever heard that <laughs> uh, i know it's not very good so kiss made it a lot better um and they made it their own and it's again it just works for me as a, a closing number and i and i always enjoy it great pick can't fault it well it wouldn't matter if we did but uh, there you go mark <laughs> yeah. 
Now, you know, the funny thing is you were talking about how the producer guy would have not agreed with your ending song, but I read a couple of great books, and Glenn Johns, the guy who produced a lot of great records throughout the years, also brought up a very good point, is your last song on the record should also be the the song on the album that makes people want to hear more, that catches them at the end and goes, holy shit, I want more now, you know, after it, and hey, into the... Fire could be more. Yeah, and the song that I put at the end for mine, which I think definitely would make me want to hear more after this intensity, and after hearing that last hit of the gong that just rings out at the end, is Unholy. I think that's a great way to end the record. It's powerful, it's strong, and when it would be done, I'd be like, oh, really, it's done? I'd love to hear more after that. So I think that sometimes you should think of it that way. Put a song that really catches the listener at the end and makes them want to hear more. So I think Unholy is a great ender. The power of the Ezrin compels you. There you go. You're you're coming around, Mark. You're you're getting there. You you know, we're we're just over an hour into the show. Let's do the, uh, you know, our our least favorite um, picks, but we'll do them a little bit quicker just so that we can get these into this episode. Yeah, I do not want to dedicate the whole episode or a lot of an episode to being negative about Kiss because yeah, that's true. We're, we're here to celebrate them. So Daniel, start us off with your first five picks from the worst. of My first match. five pick. Well, yep. of course you have to start the album off as bad as you can. I will start with my, uh, you know, one of the worst songs in my mind. I walk alone from Carnival Souls. Mm. You know, yeah, it's kind of a good effort but bruce is no singer and to start an album with that's the song would just kill the whole album i would follow up with car jam 1981 an instrumental in second place and then no one would continue listening but if someone was still listening would add one of gene simmons terrible tracks from animalized lonely is the hunter and if there were still any crazy persons listening (laughs) I would add the worst song from Crazy Mice, and that's Bang Bang You from Paul mm. Stanley, one of his worst ever. And in the fifth place, I would pick another Gene song from Animal Eyes. While the city sleeps, do 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 do. It is fucking boring. Well, you, okay. you know, going back to what Mark said, you know, about that last song position on an album. Um, you know, I, I think that last song on an album should make you want to flip it over and play the album again, which is uh, kind of why I, I picked what I did. OK, my f- worst of the Kiss Unmasked album is uh, I'm leading off with Spit, which makes me want to spit to this I like day. like that one, too. Just mm-hmm. just because of the Spinal Tap lyrics, I can never get over those, and yeah. I go straight into Read My Body, which makes me want to mm. do, want to do things with sharp objects to my body when I hear it. Um, <laughs> the middle of side A of my horrible Kiss Garbage from the 80s uh, and 90s, I guess, the Unmasked Era, let's put the X in sex. Let's not. Let's put a condom over that song and save the world from its conception. Um, followed by... Burn, bitch, burn, which, you know, talk about condoms and then logs in fireplaces. Forget it. You know, we have left the reservation. And closing outside A of my worst is dance all over your face. I like it. I like don't like it. From lick it up. So. Um, and, and what's interesting on this uh, album side is that, you know, it's not all Gene. Gene is not the most guilty party 
you know, in the 1980s, oh, the yeah. unmaster of writing the draft that ended up on albums. There was uh, plenty. There was plenty to go around from. Ken, let's do your first five. Yeah, the first five. And th- I didn't even number these songs, so they're, they're all in my mind. Just they like, don't, they don't deserve numbers. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. You, when you see it on a label, you you don't see a number. They're just listed. They're just listed. Names, you know? It's like the back of a dynasty cover. You know, you don't know what's first or second. Um, all right. Uh, my first song is uh, "I'm Alive." Paul Stanley song. I just. I just don't like it. Never liked it. Sorry. Um, next one, another Paul Stanley song, uh, Radar for Love. It just... It, Zeppelin. Great, great I'm, I'm, I'm having some issues with your commitment to Asylum here, Ken. <laughs> well, I don't know how many albums. Oh, wait. Freak freak. Next, the next song is... Uh, <laughs> the next song is... Uh, well, you see, this is how I wrote them. I was just looking at each album, so this is just kind of grouped them together. Um Next one, third, loves a deadly weapon. No, that's a that's a Gene song. Okay. That's an, no, forget it. That's an asylum song. That's a Gene song. And uh, I'm sorry, that's that's three of the asylums. I'm just the way it is on that one. Uh, the uh, fourth song is King of Hearts. I just never, I never liked that. It's just it didn't, it doesn't work. Um, and then. Uh, fifth song the street giveth and the street taketh away which just is just a i don't know it's, it shouldn't even been on on hot machine it's it's just not worthy not demo worthy. yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Wor- not worthy indeed mark okay set us straight okay well so for the worst <laughs> record it would be of course produced by bob ezrin you have to have the worst for that so um and so my side would be Starting off with Burn, Bitch, Burn, which mm-hmm. is by far my least favorite song. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it would be followed by Dance All Over Your Face, which is another I like song that. I dread. Yeah. Uh, then we would have, of course, Read My Body, Absolute Trash, that song. So it would have to be in the middle position, of course. Followed up by Spit, which is again is total dreck. I don't like that song at all. And to end off, the side in great style and fashion and i'm sure bob ezra could make it even worse than it actually is is let's put the x in sex so basically oh. the same freaking songs i just picked in a different order is that Pretty right <laughs> exactly that's, that's amazing <laughs> you guys are right <laughs> oh dear all right daniel let's go to your uh, your okay your my five. final five uh, worst kiss songs of all time when it comes to the non-makeup era well i ended up Side one with why the, while the city sleeps, but I actually think put the X in sex is okay. But you make me rock hard. That's yeah. way worse than put the X in sex. So that starts my second side. You make me rock hard, and then we move on to Gene doing a hit song, Cadillac Dreams. It's garbage, mm. garbage, and then. Actually, Crazy Nights enters my lists. When you walls come down, when you (laughs) such a terrible chorus. I mean, Paul was at the height of his vocal vocals, and he makes this terrible song, terrible chorus, doesn't work. 
move on to animalize once again the way gene butchered this album i will never forget him forgive him for that it could have been best album of all time and he just sabotaged everything with murder high heels blah, 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 blah. Mm. terrible and to round off things i actually think was it julian that liked this, this song but it's just a perfect ending for a terrible album you put in Gene Simmons doing, I don't know, death metal or something. Boomerang! <laughs> the worst. Hmm. That's my... That, that, that's... I, I, I just... I have nothing to say about any of that. Um, <laughs> I, I'll get on to my next five picks, and that is uh, I'll Fight Hell to Hold You. It's a great song, but it's just too damn high. It's representative of just wrong freaking way of doing it followed by king of hearts boomerang mm -hmm. which is just dreck you love me to hate you which is just so obviously mm -hmm. you know trying to beat something else um and i close with rain which yeah. is just paul stanley an, an illustration of paul stanley writing the wrong sort of material that he shouldn't be writing paul stanley writes up lifting up tempo positive shit and doing rain it's just it's just the one song that really says it's actually a good song but uh, the wrong guy doing the wrong thing in the wrong way with the wrong production it's just wrong 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 it's like a stone temple pilot song or something it's just you know it's just it should not be done by him um ken all right <laughs> all right my second side is starts with you love me to hate you and uh i do not like that song either um the next one uh which is uh, common among us i think uh boomerang it's just a, it's just a throwaway song in my opinion um and then like daniel uh you make me rock hard that one yeah uh, that one's like he says worse than you know x and sex x and yeah, sex is okay it's tolerable um but this one is just is trying too hard <laughs> it's, trying maybe that's what they should have called the song instead of you make me rock hard i'm trying too hard <laughs> to write a song I, yeah um, you know i disagree with that i think the two of you need to go after this show and watch that video on repeat for a couple of hours oh, no. to have an attitude You're adjustment such a dirty old man you have to quit that. <laughs> that's that's like yeah that's bad punishment there um uh second to last song is uh i have kind of torn about this one but uh little caesar um even though it's 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 eric's vocal i just i just think it could have been fixed or done better than it, than it was it's not that, that great of a song it has some good stuff in but it, it's, it doesn't work I would have rather they give, had given him another song to sing as his first song somebody's well, way you know yeah yeah there you go um, and then ending it off on a at a bang read my body um, <laughs> so it's just it's just not good it's not good Mark, for the album that uh, comes with the bonus item of a cyanide capsule, what are your <laughs> final five picks? So, it ends off in the following manner. Murder in High Heels opens up side two. Then you have the ever-terrible On the Eighth Day 
follows it up. I like that one. Then you have, of course, in the middle middle section, <laughs> Bang Bang You, which is a the one of the worst songs that Paul has done. Then I haven't heard anybody mention this one. I don't know why, because this is kind of a weak song. I don't never like this song. Tough Love off of Revenge. Yeah, I've never yeah. liked that song. And much like Julian, I've ended off my album with Rain. I think it's terrible. Yeah. I've never I've never heard Paul so whiny as he is on this song. <laughs> and Rain. it deserves to be the closer of the worst album produced by the worst producer, Bob Ezra. Ooh. That wow. yeah, Rain. That is not that there. is not my Paul Stanley. So you know, th- there's a whole bunch of picks. I mean, uh, what were? Do you have any that nearly made your list? Because I walk oh, alone, yeah. nearly nearly made mine, but I did not want to put it on there because it being Bruce's just so vocal. Well, you know, way too kind, guy. It's the worst song of all time. Have you listened to the singing of that? Long time. Oh, yeah, no, it's no, no, it's it's not a good How song, can, but I, I don't want to kind of bag on Bruce. Yeah, but you have to put the worst song. You have to put the, your feelings aside and put on the no. worst album. I Walk Alone is the opener of the worst album. I promise you. <laughs> well, yeah, God damn it. You, you, so you, you can't you can't argue with people's tastes. It's uh, you know. Yeah, I know, but but I have to just say for Bruce's sake sake. Here's a BK3 album. I really like that album. I should, I think that one should get more attention. But that's when he finally understood that he can't sing. And then it sounds great. Yeah, but he, I think he's also done some songs that he actually sings quite okay. well, especially compared to I Walk Alone. So he, he, he's, Which one? Which one? Hmm? Which one? Yes, Say yes. a song. I, hey, I'm not even gonna do that. Do it because I can't remember his freaking song titles. I don't you listen. Don't even to, know the title. I, no, I don't listen to them enough to have them stick no, in my head. Why, no. Oh boy. I'll, I'll dig out my copy of Transformer after this, and uh, you know, I'll email you a song title. How about that? All right, so let's wrap that one up. This this was our episode where. We wanted to dig into the best of the Unmasked, and it's not just picking our favorite top, un, you know, ten Unmasked songs because they'd be vastly different under that equation. You know, it's make an album that is, you know, a, an album that kind of works as a unit. What are your picks for the best of the Unmasked from the Unmasked era that would make an album? Who would you have produce it, and uh, would you have any different players on it as well, for that matter? And uh, on the opposite side of that coin. What are the worst? And you got to limit yourself to 10 songs, and they have to have been on Kiss albums, so you can't have Sword and Stone as one of the best songs, even though it is one of the best songs from the 80s. Um, and before we wrap up, I do want to just mention one thing. A couple of days ago, Larry Harris, co-founder of Casablanca <laughs> Records and one of the parties that you know were involved in bringing Kiss to the world, Donna Summer to the world, Parliament Funkadelic, Angel. You know, we could go down the list of the bands that were assigned to Casablanca um, who left a mark on popular culture and on the American music scene, uh, passed away. So, you know, condolences to his family and friends, uh, you know, to have been a part of something. Just think, he's at the Casbah right now partying with Neil Bogart, and that must be one hell of a party. So, yeah, you know, just a, a sad bit of news that happened this week. Final thoughts and before we wrap up. Final thoughts. I'd buy any of your albums instantly. Great albums, guys. 
Did we, I, I we have four you killers. Too. You know, good album. So we rose to it. Ah, there you go. Sorry. Yes, obviously we we all did. I think it's also important though to say that we should probably wish everybody a very merry Christmas since this is our Christmas. last episode before Christmas, right? Is it? You never know. I might I do. I might be doing another episode tomorrow. The way things go. Uh, yeah. So merry, oh, merry yeah. Christmas to everyone. Happy New Year. Next week, uh, you know, uh, Hanukkah ended on Wednesday. So uh, belated Happy Hanukkah to everyone and whatever you celebrate. If you don't celebrate, yeah. you know, enjoy the long well. weekend and. Uh, Next week, hopefully, we'll be doing the quiz show episode. Um, if those who've uh, volunteered <laughs> to, be to be on it, we'll see how that works. It'll be well. We should have a competition between the Kiss FAQ podcasters after that. <laughs> well, the, who has the best knowledge? Yeah, yeah. Na- yeah na- name a Bruce Kulick sung solo <laughs> <That> song. <sucks. laughs> <laughs> I think you'd suddenly find a lot of people saying, well, I don't know. I I can't do it under pressure. All right. So we thank you for listening. Chime in wherever you do listen to this uh, episode with your thoughts on what would make either of the best or the worst or both, if you so wish. We thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. So bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.